You got that rocker, MJ in the house, otherwise known as Marty Janetti. You know how we do rocking and roll, starting and strolling, and we're doing it right here on the Rundown Wrestling Network. Keep on rocking. Yeah. Stay song. Ladies and gentlemen, we Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. Chaz is here. I mean, Sal is here. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. As you can hear, Troy still on assignment. I am your host this week, Jason. I am joined by Sal. Sal, what's going on? What's going on, Jason? How you doing tonight? Whenever you say it like that, that what's going on? All I can think of is Brett Michaels Brett on Michaels. Rock of Love. <laughs> that's it. That's that's. I'm glad I'm not the only one to watch the trashy VH1 reality shows. Super uh, guilty pleasure for me, but I loved every <laughs> second of it. Actually, my wife and I just found out that Hulu has Daisy of Love on there. And yes, it does. Going back and rewatching that, um, <laughs> we just lost like half of our audience. Um, but <laughs> other than watching trashy VH1 reality shows on Hulu, uh, what have you been up to, Sal? Well, uh, it's the end of the school year, almost. My 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 kid's last day will be tomorrow when this comes out, June fifteenth. Oh, okay. And um, it's just been crazy because it's always crazy at the end of the school year. Plus. Uh, all three girls had their recital last Friday, which was like, uh, it's a very stressful day. Yeah. Um, especially when all Good. three of them are yelling at each other to tr- to get out of the bathroom. Uh, they all did great. They all did absolutely amazing. Um, I was falling asleep during the show because I'm just old. <laughs> But um, after it was funny because everybody was like, oh, we're going to go out to eat. I was like, no, nah, fuck that. I'm tired. We're going home. <laughs> and I'm like, I agree. <laughs> uh, what's going on with you? Baseball, baseball, and more baseball, man. Uh, we had our town ball championship this past week. Uh, the series was we, – we, because we were the number one seed, we went immediately to the championship series. Uh, best of three, we ended up sweeping. We won in two. Um, first game we won eleven to one in a mercy. Uh, second game we won one to nothing. It was Whoa, a absolute pitcher's duel. Um, I would have given him an error, but Jackson got credit for a hit and ended up having the, the game winning RBI. Um, definitely an error, but this official score is official score. Um, struck out the last two batters to end it on the mound. Uh, did a great job. Uh, and then we had our AAU playoffs. This is the weird world I live in now. So on Saturday, we had our AAU playoffs, yeah. and we're at our field. We're hosting at our field because we were the number one seed. So the first round is pool play. So three teams play, whoever, they each play each other. If you win two, out of, if you win both of your games, you basically win the pool and you move on to the next day. Um, so the first game, we were playing the Atlantic Mariners Baseball Club. 
um, or Atlantic Baseball Club Mariners, the ABC Mariners. Um, so as I'm walking up to the field, I hear – now, they were playing the game before us against the third team. So as I'm walking up to the field, I hear a voice, and I recognize this voice, and I can't think of where I can – I'm not placing it. And I get to the field, and I notice that coaching third base is former Boston Red Sox Lou Merloni, uh, current Red Sox analyst uh, for Nesson. Uh, and Boston sports radio personality. Uh, apparently, the the Mariners are his program. He runs the he runs the program for AAU. Um, so they ended up winning their game seventeen to like three or something. Just absolutely blew doors off the team. They hit like seven home runs. And crushed the crushed the, the lineup was just crushing. Uh, so then Jackson starts against them. Uh, he ended up limiting them to three runs over five innings. Uh, pitched it, pitched great. Uh, and then after the game, we ended up winning. And then after the game, I'm in the parking lot. And I'm running in my car, and I run into Merloni as he's as he's packing up to leave. And uh, I just went, "Hey, good game, coach." And he's like, "Yeah, hey, come here for a second. And he calls me over. He's like, "Hey, is that uh, is that your boy out there on the mound?" I said, "Yeah." I was like, "He throws the shit out of the baseball." I'm like, "All right, I'm done. Like, That's this good. is that is amazing." Luke Merloni just told me my kid throws the shit out of the baseball. All right, cool. Wow. <laughs> So former about. major leaguer was impressed with Jackson's pitching. Um, so yeah, and then they uh, they went on on Sunday. They played for the the championship rounds. They ended up losing in the semifinals in a two to one game. Uh, yeah, just brutal. They had the first and second with two outs, top of the order, up in the fifth. Uh, the kid got picked off at second, unfortunately, to end the inning. Then they had a runner on second and two outs in the sixth and uh, ground ball the shortstop ended it but uh hell of a season for those boys they were like 36 and 4 i think overall on the season very successful um, season yeah number one seed did a great job i'm really proud of him jackson was the ace all the way to the end uh but you know it was funny because actually the team that we would have played had we won that game was sitting up on the hill and we had played them a few times before, and they were looking down at the bench, and they saw Jackson. Like, oh god, I don't want to face that thirty-one kid again. <laughs> so it was kind of fun. Like, it's kind of cool as a parent listening. Like, your kid is is now known as like the guy nobody yeah. wants to face. That's kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's it. And uh, now we this week we're starting practice for all stars, and that'll get rolling in about two weeks. Uh, so we got about two weeks to get ready, and hoping to make a nice deep run in all stars this year too. Now, is he also going to be pitching for All-Stars? Yes. So AAU's done. So now the only thing he's focusing on right now is All-Stars. So um, so now he's, he's full pitch limits, and I don't have any conflicts. I don't have to worry about saving him for anything. So it's nice. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's been uh, it's been crazy. But, you know, as always, this time of year, you know how it is. It's oh, yeah. just insane. So, But been good. That's good. Otherwise, yeah. What do you think about... Um the Boston Celtics. Uh, they're really good when they decide to not play like assholes. Unfortunately, they've uh, decided to play like assholes a lot lately. I don't know if it was when they eliminated the Bucks or when they eliminated the Heat. It might have been the Heat. Uh, Jalen Brown had a post-game interview, and he's like, um, "I hate that sometimes. I hate that we always have to do things the hard way." Mm-hmm. Um, and I just. Oh, man, it's been so frustrating watching them because when they're good and when they're playing team ball and when they're really you know, locking down on defense, 
they look untouchable. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like fucking all falls apart. <laughs> they don't, they're not particularly good at closing. And I think the thing that people forget is that towards the end of the season when they went on this great run, they were just blowing doors every single night. And it was 20, 30 point wins. They didn't have to sort of grind out wins till they got to the playoffs. And they've had to do it a little bit, but they almost blew that game seven to the heat. They did. Uh, Absolutely. Jimmy Butler hits that three. That's an, that's it. That's Jimmy Butler and the heater in the finals right now. Yeah. Um, and they were up 13 with like three minutes to go and they managed to almost blow that. Um, but you can sort of get away with that with a team like the Bucks or the Heat. You can't get away with that with the Warriors. They're just too good. They've got a championship pedigree. They've got guys who have been there before. Um, that said, it's been – and I know I, – I want to preface this by saying the officials are not the reason the Celtics have lost, or certainly not the other night. But I don't understand what a technical foul is anymore because I'm watching this game. And Marcus Smart argues a call with a referee. And a referee on the other side of the court, not the referee he's talking to, a referee on the other side of the court gives him a technical. Okay, fine. Maybe he said a magic word. I don't know. Later in the game, Jason Tatum, there's a timeout. He's walking towards his bench. And Draymond Green is in his face taunting him the entire way to the bench right in front of the referees. And no technical foul is called on him. It's amazing, huh? And Draymond Green has gotten away with so much stuff that everyone else seems to would, would seem to get a technical foul called on them for. I can't understand it. And this is a guy who has a history of like excessive technicals. Right, I was going to say, it's almost like they just the don't want to call him on him anymore. Wasn't he the one that was kicking people in the nuts the first two times the Warriors went to the finals? Uh, no, I think you're thinking of, um, oh God, what was the guy's name? The one that injured uh, Kawhi Leonard in that series. Uh, not Bogut. Shit. He's the one who they now have that rule about you can't land your feet in the opponent's yeah. landing. Zaza Pachulia. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, that, but like you said, Draymond Green's uh, technical foul history is vast. So he was think... missed playoff games due to yeah. hitting the, the mark. Look, he... <laughs> Yes, I agree that it has not been the ref's fault, but there's been a lot of times where I'm like, they're going to call it on the Celtics, but they're not going to call that shit on the Warriors. That's yeah. bullshit. Yeah. And it pissed me off, especially Game 3. Game 3 really pissed I mean, me off. The one last night, I mean, there was one where uh, Gary Payton Jr., or Gary Payton II, whatever it is, is driving to the basket and trips over his own feet, and they called a foul on Grant Williams. Yep. Yeah. And then there was another one where... Jordan Poole literally grabs Marcus Smart's arm, pulls it into him, and then flops back like he got punched in the face, and they call a foul on Marcus Smart. I do I do appreciate when someone flops bad enough. And who is it on there? Jeff Van Gundy? Yeah. He He's always like, well, yeah, I don't like the flopping. Uh, you can tell he wants to like go off on it. Now, that said, I also understand the irony as a Celtics fan that I'm accusing anyone else of flopping when Marcus Smart's on my team. Don't don't get it twisted. I do completely understand the the irony of that. But, I mean, this is the finals. These officials have to be better than that. I mean, you got to think when these officials go home and watch this game, they're like, oh, fuck, I look like an idiot. Um, I mean, maybe they don't care. But to me, that's always sort of been the problem is that there's no real – they don't have to answer questions. They don't have. There's really no 
accountability for when they do stuff, when they have games like that. The only sport I feel like I've ever seen the refs slightly held accountable was football. Because the, yeah. the umps don't have to be held accountable in Major League Baseball. No. no. Ever. And you could, Ever. And, and, <laughs> and listen, in the NFL, they, they grade the referees, and if they have a bad grade, they don't get playoff assignments or Super Bowl assignments. And stuff. Angel Hernandez gets into the World Series occasionally. So that should tell you all you need to know about what MLB <laughs> does in terms of that stuff. Right. Um, and, you know, Tony Brothers and Scott Foster and some of these guys who are horrible NBA officials – uh, Zach Zarba is another one that's had a really bad postseason. Um, these guys just, they, they continue to get these assignments, even though they're just really bad. Um, so I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like there's any, any real accountability for it. So I will say this about the Celtics, um, in their, in their run in the finals this year. Having watched the last dance, the the times in eighty nine and ninety where where Jordan and the Bulls lost in the playoffs yeah. only fueled him to be better. No, and I definitely think there is something to the notion that you almost have to learn how to win at that level. You have to fail a little bit. And the Celtics had failed in the Eastern Conference Finals a lot. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum in particular, had been there and not gotten over that hump. And this year they finally got over that hump. And maybe it'd be great if they end up coming back and getting over the hump and winning the finals, but it may be a year or two before they get to that point where they're comfortable and they they just look like a team that's not as prepared for the finals as Golden State is right. because Golden State is full of guys that have been there before. Been there before, absolutely. Now and and yes, you can sit there and say, well, Andrew Wiggins has never been there before. Yes, but he shares a locker room with Steph Curry. There are zero players on the Celtics who had prior finals experience. Zero, oh, there you not go. one. There you go. So it's it's and then you look in that locker room. You've got Steve Kerr, you've got Draymond, you've got Clay and Steph, Curry and Steph, and like Clay and Steph, and uh, there's other guys too that on that roster who have been there. So um, uh, Goodall is another one. Um, But you know, maybe it maybe it will take a year or two. I don't know. Um, Two questions for you. That said, the way the Celtics postseason has gone, it would not at all shock me. If they blow the doors off the Warriors in Game Six and still end up winning Game Seven on the road, so okay, that was my that was my first question. Do they win in Boston in Game Six? The way the series has gone, I'm going to say yes, but I really have no idea. I was really happy with the way they played in the when the way they came out of halftime this last game in Game Four. Yep. For the first time this entire playoffs, they actually showed some fire. Um, I feel like when their back's against the wall, they're going to come out gunning, and I wouldn't be shocked if they win game six. But to me, this feels like 2010, where it's like, how are we going to go on the West Coast to win a game seven? Yeah. I mean, they've been good at winning the the must-have games all along. But the thing is, is I feel like, and this might be part of the fact that they are young and they are inexperienced, but it seems like every time... They'll start games or they'll go through these runs like they did in the third quarter the other day where it's great, balls flying all over the place, there's great ball movement, they're getting open shots, they're getting layups the whole nine. And then it feels like there's this stretch of time where if it gets close, everybody starts going, oh, fuck, i got to do this by myself. And it's isolation ball and it's you know no passes, pull up three. Tatum dribbles around the perimeter a little bit, pulls up, takes a three. Or one pass to smart, pull up three. And it just seems like that's their default go-to when they start to panic, rather than slowing things down, 
getting into the offense, moving the ball. When they move, the, when the Celtics team this year moves the ball and has that great ball movement, they are unstoppable. They are as they are the best team in the NBA. The problem is they get away from that too easily and too often, and that's been the story of the series so far. And what do I see? I see, like you said, Tatum going ISO, five seconds on the shot clock, four seconds on the shot clock, and it's just like I see that too often. Yeah. And either he's chucking up a three where he's being double teamed and it's not going to fall. And similar to what you see in hockey all the time, trust me, after this series is over, I think we're going to hear something about that shoulder that Tatum I think it was in the Miami Heat series where he had that stinger. Yeah. Um, because you can watch him, and occasionally, even after after misses, even after some contact towards the rim, he's grabbing at that shoulder. And and he's the other night. I think he had three air balls in the game, which is just not normal, Jason Tatum. Uh, we know Rob Williams is playing on one leg, and he's been valiant, and he's been great. Um, you know, Marcus Smart. Of course, we all thought he broke his ankle a few games ago. So these they're pretty beat up, um, obviously. So we'll see how the rest of the series goes. But I think they've shown toughness. They've shown fight. They've shown battle. They've gotten to this point. I said at the start of this series that this was all gravy. They got to the, they got to the finals. If they lose, they lose because I know how good the Warriors are. Um, but I think it's it's sort of weird thing in sports is your perspective starts to change. When you go up 2-1 and you've got the next game at home, then you sort of get in your mind like, okay, well, now they really do have a shot of winning this thing. Like, you go from being happy to be there to being, oh, shit, uh, we're going to win a championship. Uh, so they changed their expectations a little bit, and I think people are a little more upset now because of that. I'll be the first one to admit it. After Game 3, I very quietly thought to myself, oh, my God, we're two wins away from an NBA championship. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it just, it's what happens. Yep. Right, but then that's why they play all these fucking games. That's why it's not a best of three. So, uh, anyway, nothing. On the other that. hand, our Red Sox are hot as a pistol and still twelve and a half games back because they can't make up any ground on any of the teams ahead of them. Yeah, but that's so. Pull back the curtain a little bit. For the first time, I think ever, I actually beat you in something fantasy sports related. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the biggest surprises on my in, team... In one week, just let's yes. see. It's a regular it like season 5-4. game. Right. And if you had gotten one more run, you would have tied me 5-5. But um, one of the biggest surprises of this season is Aaron fucking Judge in his 20-something home runs and his 318 batting average. Yeah. Like... I don't think the Yankees are going to stay this hot all summer. Okay, so when I said the Yankees, just as an illust- to illustrate my point, uh, this does not include tonight's games, but uh, the Red Sox in their last 10 are 8-2. and two. Yeah. Immediately above them, Tampa Bay is 6-4, and four, the Blue Jays are 6-4, and four, and the Yankees are 9-1. and one. Yeah. So it's hard to make up ground when all the teams in your division just don't lose. So... Well, again, the problem is the Yankees. <laughs> well, even about they, they still haven't got a fourth place because even the Rays and the, the Blue Jays won't lose either. Yeah, but it's six four, six four. I mean, it's not like they're they're blowing doors. At they're, they're most, you can make water. up two games, right? So what we need is a few series against them, which I think is coming up soon. This whole month, I think, is yeah. a lot of Bailey's versus Bailey's games. Yeah, that should tell a story at the end of it. But I'm sure everybody who's outside of Boston is really enjoying the Boston Sports Talk podcast. So, uh, oh, that's true. <laughs> um, this week is actually the opening uh, weekend for 
the new Jurassic Park movie. I haven't gotten to see it yet, but I am excited to check it out. Do you want to know what's making the rounds? Oh, no. Don't, no spoilers. No, 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 no. This goes back to the original movie. You know what I keep seeing in, on, uh, on like, uh, just Twitter and stuff is that, um, that gif, I forget the actor's name, but from the first movie when they're trying to get into his computer. Jeff Goldblum? No, 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 no. The guy from, the guy that was in Seinfeld. Newman in Seinfeld. Oh, Newman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you, you, have you seen that, that gif that, um, uh-uh-uh, you didn't use the magic word. <laughs> I see that everywhere this week, because the new movie's coming out. Um, I'm actually excited for the new movie, man. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That in Thor Love and Thunder, that's that's going to be my jam. In a yes, movies. yes. Way more yep. than... Oh, did you end up seeing Doctor Strange? Haven't seen it yet. I will okay. eventually... I'm sure it probably won't be in theaters by the time I go see it, so at this point it'll probably be on Disney Plus when I actually get to it. It is going to be on Disney Plus by the end of the month. All right, well, there you go. That's when I'll be watching it, I guess. There it is. Did you finish, Did you get a chance to watch Stranger Things yet? No. Okay. So I'm in the middle of a rewatch of Alias now. Oh, I okay. started that before Stranger Things came out. So now it's like, I don't want to start Stranger Things while I'm in the middle of that, because those are two shows that you both sort of have to follow the thread of what's going on pretty closely. Yeah. So I don't want to, like, drop one for a week or two while I catch the other. So, yeah. Well, you're actually better off waiting on Stranger Things, because the second part of their season comes out in July. I think it's July 8th. Um, so you could, uh, you could theoretically watch the whole thing at once. I found out something interesting about the second part of the season, part two. It's only two episodes, but each episode is like the length of a movie. Oh. So, okay, then. I guess I got two movies to watch. Well, there you go. Have you checked out any of the Obi-Wan show on Disney Plus? No, yet? and I've wanted to. That and Miss Marvel, I was going to check that out, too. Um, I've heard good things about the Obi-Wan show, though. Yeah. I'm I'm so way behind on my Disney Plus things. Like I haven't watched Loki. I haven't watched. I've watched everything Marvel. I fell off of Star Wars. I started The Mandalorian, but I never finished season one. Um, same. And I think what was the? Other? I watched WandaVision. I did watched, you watch uh, the Falcon uh, and Winter Soldier? I did watch that. That was so good. I and then there was another thing that came out. But there was Loki. Oh, there was Hawkeye. Was... Yes, that was why I didn't watch that either. Hawkeye was good. Hawkeye okay. was short, too. It was only like six episodes. All right. So I'll have to catch up on all that stuff. Yeah. Once baseball's over, and I have a little time. Well, I mean, soon enough, right? After well, I mean, we've got All-Stars, and then in August we're going to Cooperstown for uh, tournament. So, you know. Yeah, but that's just like a weekend for a turn tournament, right? Full week. Oh, full week. Okay. So I won't be on the show that week. I won't okay. be making any in cameos August, from hot tubs either. In August we have... Jack shit to talk about. So they're doing SummerSlam Summer in July this year. Is it really? Yeah. Shit. I don't pay attention. Which is weird. It's yeah. weird to me. Very strange. Must have been when they could get the stadium filled. Exactly. Uh, so speaking of uh, SummerSlam, well, this week the WWE is gearing up as we get towards uh, closer to money in the bank. Wait, wait, wait. That's what we're going to lead with? Well, I, I mean, I just thought it was a good segue. We don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you already started, so go ahead. No, we just, we're, we're on the road to Money in the Bank. I don't think they've made it official. No, they have not made it official yet. But 
we have a very big SmackDown coming up where the... Yes. the uh, ex- hold on, I have to get this correct. The Undisputed WWE Universal Championship... No, no, I fucked it up. The Undisputed WWE Universal Heavyweight Championship of the World will be defended against Riddle. Now, I don't think there's a chance that Riddle can win. But what I'm looking for is a star-making performance. A performance that says that guy belongs in the main event for years to come. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Um, It's a little weird to me that they added the stipulation that if he loses, he can never challenge again, unless the plan is for him to win Money in the Bank, because then you really can't stop him from challenging. Well, the way they, they the way Heyman said it too was, as long as Roman's champ, you can't challenge again. Right. So maybe he wins Money in the Bank and then Roman loses to someone else and then he could challenge. I don't know. Well, I think if he has Money in the Bank, he could still cash in on Roman. Yeah, and then Paul Heyman will try to like storyline tie that up in litigation because he'd be like, yeah. "You were or and let's be." Shot. Or, and let's be real, and I know people don't like to, to talk about this because it was a story that was initially circulated by somebody we don't like to talk about, but, I mean, Roman's been MIA for a while. If he really is just taking a good chunk of time off, maybe they just push the, pull, push the trigger, pull the trigger, sorry, and, and put the title on Riddle as a placeholder. Honest fact, though. Yeah. I, because I mean, because realistically, how long can they go without their champion defending on pay-per-view? Right. I mean, they got through Hell in a Cell because Hell in a Cell can carry it. They can get through Money in the Bank because Money in the Bank is has a certain cachet on its own. But you can't get through SummerSlam, and there's really nothing seemingly set up for him for SummerSlam. We all assumed it was going to be Cody at SummerSlam, but obviously probably not at this point. Right. Um, so maybe maybe this is just, you know, pull the trigger build Riddle as as the new big guy and go from there. Riddle wins and somewhere down the line in the next month he gets jumped by a guy in a mask or a hood pulls the mask off, it's Randy Orton. Could be. It's your Summit Slam main event. There you go. Um... Here's the thing with Roman, right? I'm sorry, by the way, by the way, that's Randy. Randy. Here's the thing with Roman. So he You swipe him on your deck. We all thought that oh, he was Roman, we all sorry. thought that he was injured. But then he was in that six man match and he looked fine. Uh-huh. So why isn't he defending the title? Is it cause He's just taking time off. Hmm. Yeah, but the WWE Universal See, this is why they should have never fucking combined the titles. I don't and, know when they combined them. This was a, this was sort of known at the time. It seemed like this sort of popped up either right before or right after that, and they'd already sort of painted themselves into the box at that point. If Roman Reigns decides that he's got other interests outside of wrestling, and he and he steps away from the business, um, <clears throat> I kind of don't blame him because talk about going out on top. He's literally been the most decorated and celebrated and dominant champion of the modern era. It's not even close. And you look at how much, and the fans really never appreciated him to the degree that they probably should have. And you see it, you saw it with Cena when he was there. And it wasn't until his most recent return where you sort of started to see the fans 
appreciate him when he was there. Yeah, so that's true. So we'll see. Well, I, I'll definitely be tuning into SmackDown because I, I am I am interested to see what they do with this, and and they put a lot of heat behind it too. Like Riddle's calling uh, Roman all types of names and like really getting the crowd fired up. I don't know. It would be very very. Uh, I would be ecstatic if they made the change. Not because I don't think Roman's had an amazing title reign. Not because I think. Uh, Riddle should be the guy to beat him. I just think it would be such a like a shockwave throughout the wrestling world if Riddle won the title on Friday night. Oh yeah, absolutely. It would set it would set the wrestling world on his ear, which is something that we haven't seen happen recently. So, um, speaking of things that have sort of set the wrestling world on their ear, um, over the last couple days, a story has come out, and this is what I thought we were leading with. But uh, we'll discuss it now. Um, everybody's favorite uh, Hardy boy, uh, Jeff, was caught driving under the influence, driving without a license, had a blood alcohol level. Uh, I think it was a four times the legal limit, uh, something to that, something close to that. Um, yeah. So just to cover a couple things, uh, Tony Khan issued a statement on behalf of AEW, uh, said we were able to resume contact with Jeff Hardy this afternoon. AEW does not condone Jeff's alleged behavior. We've made it clear to Jeff that we'll assist him in getting treatment for substance abuse issues, uh, which he has indicated he's open to receiving. In the interim, he is suspended without pay and can only return to AEW upon successfully completing treatment and maintaining his sobriety. Uh, if you were a loved one, need help. Blah, 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 blah. Um, okay. Now let's follow that up with uh, Matt Hardy's comments. Uh, it was disheartening to hear the news about my brother yesterday. Recovery isn't a linear process, and I'll continue doing whatever I can to help my brother be healthy. Being healthy and well is the most important thing for Jeff, his wife, his children, and our family at this time. So, where's your bullshit meter upon reading these two statements, Sal? It's pretty high. Pretty, pretty high. So, let's start with the actual... First off, before we get into this conversation, let's, let's be upfront. Substance abuse is a, is a very serious issue. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Jeff Hardy is, is fighting demons, has been for a long time. Um, I don't think any of us is on here to blame Jeff, particularly for what's going on. Um, but there's a whole bunch of stuff to go, a whole lot of slices to this blame pie, if you will. Uh, and actually, surprisingly, Jeff is a very small section of that, other than you know personal responsibility. But his disease is his disease. Um, all right, go ahead, Sal. A few months ago, when Jeff Hardy left uh, the the WWE, and then subsequently, of course, ended up in AEW. I was very critical of Jeff's disease and Jeff himself and how he handles his business, not just uh, his his demons, but how he handles his business in general, professionally. And I was very critical of him. And I'd like to clear something that maybe people may not know. When I grew up in Somerville, I had a good amount of friends that fell victim to heroin addiction Mm -hmm. um and it broke my heart 
But I was around the behavior enough to develop, I guess you could say, a cynicism about it that I just... They weren't the kind of people I would bring my kids around. Right. Because, look, I understand you're fighting your demons, but I don't trust you to win that fight. And I can't put my family safety around that. Mm-hmm. So... Although this this news about Jeff coming out is disappointing, I think we all saw it coming. Because like you said, in the WWE, there are people there that would have got him the help he needed. And again, everybody's no, no, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's 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 tell the story in the way it actually went down. They demanded he'd go to rehab yes. they said he needed help they they offered to pay for it they offered to hold his job for him while he went through rehab he said fuck you i'm fine i don't have a problem i'm sober i got no issues i'm not going to rehab yep so then they released him now this of course came on the heels of him just walking out in the middle of a match and apparently displaying other sort of signs uh, that he was in the middle of he had fallen um, off the wagon right so then once WWE releases him, what do we hear? We hear all these AEW fans, oh, well, see, they, they screwed themselves. Jeff's fine. He just tried, he was trying to get out of his contract. Ha, ha, ha. And, you know, Matt cons, oh, he's fine. Matt's, but he's, he's never been as good. He's, and we all said at the time, like, this is going to end poorly. Matt's enabling this situation because Matt's got a personal stake in it. Matt's, Matt's history in an AEW has been pretty mediocre. Um, from coming in with the broken character, which nobody bought into, even in the empty arena days, and pretty quickly floundered, to Big Money Matt, which nobody gave a shit about, to the Hardy family office, which then transferred to the Andrade Hardy family office, and nobody gave a shit about any of it. The only time, for the most part, other than a brief run in TNA, that anyone gave a shit about Matt Hardy is when Jeff is next to him. Jeff has gotten over as a singles guy on his own, separate from Matt, multiple times. Sure. Matt never has. So for Matt, getting Jeff into AEW was a means to an end. It was a way for him to get over more so than what was good for Jeff. And I, I think he used that. I think he manipulated the situation. I think he got in Jeff's ear, and I think he put Jeff in a bad situation. Um, and this, again, to be fair, this is my outside-looking-in appearance. I don't have any inside ins with the Hardys. This is just watching the situation from outside, how I perceive what I'm seeing. Um, but <laughs> the part that really bothers me We had a match scheduled for Wednesday. Do you want to remind the fans what that match was supposed to be, Sal? This week on Dynamite, <laughs> it was going to be the Hardys versus the Bucks versus Jurassic Express in a triple threat tag team title match ladder match. Okay. Here's the thing. This story about Matt Hardy, about Jeff Hardy, broke on Monday. What was it? Monday. Mm-hmm. Monday morning the, is when he Monday got morning, it. and that match was still being advertised as of Monday morning. Mm-hmm. And in his conversation with the police when he was arrested, Jeff volunteered 
that he was a few days away from having a brain scan because he had been having some serious concussion-related issues. And Tony Khan and AEW thought it was a good idea to put a guy about to get a brain scan because of concussion-related injuries into a ladder match. I'll do if you, if you Hold on. If you are talent, mm-hmm. run as far away from this company as you possibly can. Because for all the talk about how WWE doesn't give a shit about their talent, WWE would not allow a talent in that situation to go out there and perform in any match, much less a ladder match. We have seen them stop matches where there were supposed concussions or thoughts of an injury that we later found out weren't even true. The Mickey James Oscar one comes yep. to mind. Yep. Um, the Daniel Bryan Stinger, where he got very upset at Triple H for stopping the match, comes to mind. Um, so we've seen great examples of the fact that WWE will not continue a match, will not promote a match, will not have a match where they know somebody is injured to the point where it could be long-term detrimental to them. Now, obviously, people will sit there, well, Cody just wrestled with a torn pack. Torn pack at that point, if once it's torn, it ain't going to tear anymore. It's yeah. torn off the bone. It ain't going to tear off the bone again. That it's is already different off. than a concussion. That is right. Very That's a pain tolerance issue at that point. Um, people will bring up Kyrie Sane, but I will argue that during that match, they did not know she was concussed until she went to the back. And during that match, the performer, Becky Lynch, made great strides to try to do whatever she can to eliminate her from the match. Kyrie kept trying to reinsert herself. Yep. Um, so, yeah. that and, and that's the case that even now they probably look back and went, fuck, we didn't handle that right. But AEW, look at the history. Look at Matt Hardy falling off the table, hitting his head off the concrete, clearly concussed, clearly unconscious, and they send him back out to climb a trestle and jump off of it. They put Jeff and, and somebody pointed this out. How many times Jeff Hardy's been in AEW for what two months now, mm-hmm. something like that? How many, out, how many like ridiculous stunt dives has he done in that brief amount of time he's been there? Six or seven. Okay. And again, how many that's two months. Has, that's so that's like one a week. So. How many of those has he been? How many of those had he done in a, in WWE during the last three years? Pretty much zero. Right, he really hadn't. He'd been even the, even the, the 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 bar fight against Sheamus, that was all camera work. Right. It was like a uh, broken hearty kind of universe. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So AEW got him and went, we don't give a fuck about your body or your physical well-being. Just go do these stunts that pop the crowd. And because Tony Khan is a fan, and we had this discussion last week, because he's a fan and not a boss... Nobody like Vince is there to say, no, we've got a long-term investment in you, and we care about your physical well-being. We don't want you to be in a wheelchair. But the funny thing is that after what happened at Victory Road, I think the entire wrestling industry was smart enough to know, yeah, Jeff Jeff can be used here and there. We're never going to put him in a major storyline again because we can't trust him. Right. And lo and behold, they put him in a major storyline, and the minute they do, he fucks up. Now, I'm not saying that he could have predicted that, but... When we talk about how serious this company company is with this kind of stuff, uh, need we remember 
all the jokes about substance abuse and pissing in test piss and all this shit that happened on BTE pro- just prior to and after Jeff's arrival in yep. AEW. Yep. <laughs> substance abuse is funny, isn't it? Uh, we're not making those jokes now. And interestingly enough, there was no new episode of BTE this week. I wonder why. Huh. That is interesting. There was a recap of the Double or Nothing contest between Daniels and the BTE championship thing that they did. Uh, but no new AB, no, no, no being the elite this week. I wonder why. Hmm. I wonder if, and I haven't gone back, I wonder if you go back in the archives if they've removed the episodes yet that had those jokes about Jeff Hardy. I doubt it. I, I don't know. I don't they've, know. Done, they've removed that kind of stuff before. But I will say this. Um, that's, that's the other thing. We all, for decades, know what Jeff Hardy is and subsequently what's he, what he's capable of. And when the report came out that he had been dealing with concussion-like symptoms. We all went, yeah, no shit. Remember a month ago where he jumped off the ladder and landed on the back of his head and nobody fucking blinked an eye and nobody in AEW said a word about it? And then he was still out there at double or nothing, obviously, like, not at his 100%. And and, and then he had that six-man tag on Dynamite, the other ten-man tag or whatever it was. Oh, no, he had to be pulled from that due to injuries. Suffered in the Darby Allen match, which happened before the Double or Nothing match. Yeah. So that's the thing. So on the one hand, Tony Khan is a fan, but on the other hand, he is a slimy piece of shit promoter who only gives a fuck about his bottom line. No, I disagree. I disagree on that. Because I think it all goes back to being a fan, because he lets the talent tell him what to do. I don't think I, I think if given to his own devices, Tony Khan probably says, "No, let's not do this match." But I think what happens is the Bucks get Tony. We've been we've been dying to have this match on TV for years. Come on, he says he can do it. He'll be fine. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of him in there. It'll be all good. And because he implicitly trusts the talent, because he's a fan, he lets them do whatever they want. I understand there's a certain bravado in the wrestling business, but I almost wonder. Do the Bucks and Matt even give a shit about Jeff? Because clearly he wasn't right. And and everybody's acting like shocked. Like Matt's like, oh, you know, that statement he released was fucking um, abysmal. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, dude, this is your fault. Number one, this is all you, bro. He couldn't stop shitting on WWE because they were concerned about his brother. Yeah. And it's just like, does Jeff have to die in the ring for anybody to fucking change? Because, look, I feel bad for Jeff, and he does need help. He really does need help. But he also should not be fucking anywhere near a wrestling ring if he's got concussions. No. So it's like, if that didn't... You almost wonder, if, if Jeff Hardy went out there and he didn't have the DUI and he actually did this match, would he have fucking crippled himself? Probably. Could have. That could have been it. That could have been the one. That could have been their own Owen Hart. (laughs) Uh, Bad, but that was in poor taste, but still. It's just, it's very, like you said, one of the most disgusting parts of this story is that Jeff was wrestling with concussions for at least the past month. 
and nobody, dude, not only did nobody do anything about it, they purposely hit it. You know, that's yeah, the other 100%. thing, too. Like, it's not like they just kept Jeff in the background. Like, hell, you could have gave Jeff the Miro schedule and everybody would have been fine with that. No, you put him in fucking, like, death match after death match. The match against Darby, the match at fucking uh, Double or Nothing. Then you're going to put him in ladder hell this Wednesday night. Like, when does it end? I don't know. I don't think they'll learn from this either. Oh, no, certainly not. That being said, have they announced... I mean, we are 24 hours away from Dynamite. Have they announced any replacement for that match? Are they going to do Bucks and, and Jurassic Express, or are they just... They just stopped promoting the match, so I don't know <laughs> what that means. That's that's fucking garbage. That, I, and it was in our host thread. Somebody tweeted at, at AW, Hey, I bought a ticket to this. Am I still going to get a ladder match, or am I going to get gypped? Sounds like they're going to get gypped. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'd be pissed. Especially if I bought the ticket, like, within, you know, this week, thinking that that's what I was going to see. Yeah. Now, I know that Jeff Hardy has a lot. Well, actually, I don't know how much money he has these days, but... He's got a little bit of fame, so I understand that the regular rules of the law don't apply, and it is the state of Florida, so take that for what it's worth. But Jeff faces a lot in the in these current charges, not just the DUI uh, violation of probation, and also he's, lo- he's looking at five years prison time potentially. Yeah. Also, I was going to say he's driving; he was operating a vehicle when he has no license to operate a vehicle. His license has been revoked. Right. So it's For not obvious even, reasons. It's not even like he was... Even if he was just driving sober, he could have been arrested. And, and if you as a fan hear this story and your first reaction is, well, look at the Usos, then you're not really a fan of this guy. You don't give a shit about him. Because it's just about defending the the shield. And we on this show said that we thought they handled the Usos situation terribly. Sure. Um... That said, the Usos are not dealing with concussion-related issues. They have just substance abuse, and as I understand it, they were un- they were undergoing treatment on an outpatient basis. Uh, Jeff has refused treatment to this point. WWE attempted to offer him treatment. Yeah, that's the other thing. In Tony Khan's statement, he said that Jeff, you know, they they've said that he's suspended and he needs treatment, and Jeff is very receptive to that. What, this morning he's been very receptive to that? Because up until a couple days ago, he was the first one to tell you he's fine, he doesn't need rehab. Do do you want to know why he's receptive to it, Sal? Because it's his job? Because it'll help his case in court. Oh, that too, yeah. (laughs) I, I, on my own, under my own volition, I checked myself into rehab to deal with my deal. Like, that's a court thing. That's true. That's a fact. Well, that's the one thing that we'll probably try to keep, that the defense will use to try to keep him out of jail. (sighs) <sighs> the sad case of Jeff Hardy. And you know what? I don't know. Like, everybody always says, like, you don't understand the pain that a wrestler's body goes through. And I think about what Jeff did in the early 2000s and throughout his entire career. And is that kind of what led to the substance abuse? The pills and the drinking? and Oh, 100%. 
That's how you get through pain. It's just sad. And it's probably the pain of, like we talked about, those six or seven huge stunts he's already done in two months in AEW. Um, and that's probably what triggered this relapse. I mean, I don't know that, but that would be a pretty reasonable guess, I would, th- I would say. Yeah. All right. Enough about Jeff Hardy, and you know, we obviously wish him you know, a recovery and get that personally for his wife and his children's sake that he gets the help that he needs and rebounds. And I, I personally, I, I don't know if I'd ever, if I'd be sad if I never saw him in a wrestling ring again because I think it's just not a healthy environment for him personally. But you know, that's a decision he has to make. Um, Sal, yes. If I said to you. And you can't say X W B guys. But if I said to you, what's the other thing that AEW doesn't need any more of? What would you say? Uh, titles. That's interesting that you mentioned that. Because AEW announced this week they're creating randomly another new championship. Well, to be fair, we've been told about this championship for a long, long time. It's the I trios title, right? No, 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 no. That's still coming at some point. Well. No. But we've been waiting for that for two years. No, but they're waiting for the time to be right. So the f- the first champions of that are going to be Kenny Omega and the Bucks. That's why. So they have another title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's this title? Uh, it's the All Foreigner. I'm sorry, All Atlantic title uh, that was announced this week. Uh, first off, I'm not a big fan of the design of this title. It also is very, very similar to the, the new women's championship and that it's very boxy and has four pinwheels at each point of the main center plate. Like just not a great looking belt to me. Uh, also the all Atlantic championship has, uh, a flag from Japan, which last I checked was a Pacific rim country and doesn't actually have any connections to the Atlantic at all. Um, but <laughs> they also announced a tournament now, before we get into the tournament, Sal, um, do you remember all those fans complaining, bitching, pissing, and moaning about how WWE had way too many titles? Yeah. Oh, right, so let's, oh absolutely. Let's, let's talk about the titles WWE has. WWE has the Raw and SmackDown Heavyweight Championship. Now, technically, they're unified, but we'll count them as separate titles right now. Uh, same thing with the two tag titles. So there you go. Uh, Intercontinental U.S., 24-7. Um, what am I missing? Raw and SmackDown tag. I already got those. Okay. Uh, let's see here. We have the women's title. Yep. We have both women's titles. Okay, so this. We women's tag. We kind of have women's tag titles. Okay, yeah, we sort of do. Uh, <laughs> so there's, there's 10. We're at 10 titles now. Yeah. Do we want to count NXT? I mean, that's its own brand. If we count NXT, we're counting... Five more? The NXT TV time as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, so let's say ten. Let's say ten for the main okay. roster. All right, so ten for the main roster. Uh, so now let's talk AEW. We've got... Now, first off, we're talking ten for the main roster. That covers... So let's say in, in a given month, you have four Raws. That's 12 hours of TV. Yeah. Four SmackDowns, that's eight. So now you're 20 hours of TV, plus, let's say, a three-hour pay-per-view every month. So now you're at 23 hours of TV Fair. for your titles to be represented. That We're not going to include internet shows and, and stuff like that, like, uh, you know, main event and whatnot. So 23 hours to represent 10 titles. Okay. 
so AEW now has the world title, the tag team title, the women's title, the TNT title, the TBS title. They're adding the All-Atlantic title. That's six AEW titles. But we don't stop there because also defended on their show and featured regularly, ROH world title, ROH women's title, ROH tag team title, ROH TV title, and ROH pure title, which now brings our total to 11. But, but, but we ain't done yet because we also have seen regularly featured the AAA tag team titles, which brings us to 12. The AAA mixed tag titles with Sammy and Tay have been featured. So now you have 13. You've got the FTW title, which brings our total to 14. Also the AAA Mega Championship, which actually was defended on Dynamite. 15, yep. right. So not currently featured, but has been. So there's 15. Impact title would be 16. Yeah. The Let's not forget the uh, New Japan United States Championship. Yep. So that's 17, right? Is that where we're at, 17 now? 17. Okay. So let's just stop there. 17 titles. Mm-hmm have been featured at least semi-regularly on, on AEW TV. Let's go through how much regular TV they have in the course of a month. Now, they do four pay-per-views, so we can't add pay-per-view totals to the monthly totals because they're not monthly pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. So they have two hours a week for Dynamite, so there's eight hours, yeah. and four hours a week for Rampage. Rampage. Yeah. Four hours a month for Rampage, I should say. So there's 12. So WWE has, what do we say, 23 hours mm-hmm. for 10 titles, and AEW has 12 hours and 17 titles. So AEW fans are going to have to tell me again how WWE has too many titles. Right. Now, even if you argue that eventually ROH will be its own brand, that the partnership with New Japan, it's just to try to get you know, both companies more, more eyes on their product. Even if you take away those titles, the extra titles, the, the AAA, the ROH, the New Japan, how many men's singles titles do we have in AEW? What's that? How many men's singles titles do we have in AEW currently? Uh, uh, I just left the pages I had that listed because all the titles. The way I've I mean, we're it, also not counting the two Owen Hart titles, which are now being carried around as though they're regular titles too. Right. But what I'm what I'm getting at is that I believe that there are currently going to be four. There is the AEW World Championship. There is the TNT title. There is this new All-Atlantic title. And, of course, defended and shown every single week on TV, the FTW title. So if you have four singles champions, four men's singles champions, are they all on equal footing? Because that's what we originally told, was there is no A and B champ. The TNT title is on the same level as the world title. So, this company doesn't have one champion, they have four? Yep. Huh. 
Well, the FTW title is not recognized, so. But yet defended multiple times Taz, on Taz Dynamite. Is still wait, Taz is still waiting for Cody to put some respect on it. That's true. And by respect, he means jizz. <laughs> I mean, that's what Sammy did to the TNT title, Exactly. Right? Look, I don't... I, I constantly watch Dynamite, and I constantly go, huh? But this title, to me, came out of nowhere. I was like, why? Who, who said they wanted a fucking international title without calling it an international title? Which, that's the other thing, by the way. Calling it an All-Atlantic... That's stupid. The very first thing you're doing is defending it at a pay-per-view that includes uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Pretty much, yeah. So, I mean, why not just call it the international title? And You can have Orange Cassidy go defend it on New Japan shows twice a year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Um... So you mentioned they're going to have this tournament to crown it. Let's talk about who is participating in this tournament. Uh, because apparently there are qualifying rounds only for the New Japan people, uh, as uh, Hanma and Clark Connors are squaring off and one match, and Tomohiro Ishii and uh, Kanemuro are scheduling to schedule to face off in the other one. The winner of those two matches will face each other. Uh, we also have Buddy Matthews versus Pac. Uh, it happened this past week. Pac wins. Yeah. Uh, Ethan Page versus Miro. Uh, Ethan Page representing Canada. Miro, Bulgaria. Penta Oscuro representing Mexico. Malachi Black representing the Netherlands. Uh, so, <laughs> who amongst these people... And by the way, these uh, we should say this is not your classic tournament. All four men who win those matches will participate in a fatal four-wave to determine the championship of Forbidden Door. Um, who amongst those guys do you go, oh, well, that person needs a title? Uh... Like, <laughs> like Penta Oscuro is part of the Lucha Bros, who we constantly hear is the best tag team in the world, but he's always wrestling singles. Uh, maybe Malik hates like, hey, we don't have it. We don't want to put one of our other tiles on Malachi Black, but he, we haven't made him feel important. So here, let's create this title and put it on him. I don't know. Uh, Miro, creative had nothing for him for months. Now he's in a tournament for a title. Uh, Buddy Matthews had never wrestled a singles match on TV until this past week against Pac, and it's in a tournament for a singles title. I mean, good agent, I guess, but. What in the actual fuck are we doing here? This title didn't need to exist. There's no demand for this title. It serves no purpose. I, the I the only it. purpose it serves that I can see is that um, we want to do a multi-man match that involves Penta and Pac. We just need a reason. Oh, let's just create a title. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what it sounds. It sounds like we need to get Penta and Pac and possibly Malachi Black on this card. Pretty so. Much, yeah. That's, you know, because that's, look, there are other ways to get those people on this card. <laughs> By the way, the, uh, we should point out that the, the, the idea of continuing to do uh, cross-promotion with AEW uh, works out well for everybody that AEW does cross-promotion with because uh, Will Ospreay, who's one of the biggest stars in New Japan, showed up this past week and immediately lost 
to uh, best friends in FTR on Rampage. So. Yeah, he's probably going to lose again tomorrow night on Dynamite. <laughs> probably. Probably. Um, yeah, it was weird because I was excited to see Will Ospreay. And then I was like, oh, they lost. <gasps> well, that's not a good look right out of the gate. <laughs> um, I tell you, Pac and uh, Buddy Matthews was a good match. But you already have history between the House of Black and uh, the Death Triangle. You don't need a tournament for them to fight each other. <laughs> True. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, and Ethan Page cut a really great promo about this yes. match. Ethan Page up. is a great promo. But they, you never know it. <laughs> and I understand Dan Lambert's a good promo, and so is Scorpio Sky, but... For months, I haven't heard Ethan Page say a word other than, I'll I love, get you I love next that, time, I love Sammy. that you guys are now constantly talking about how Dan Lambert's a good promo when I told you that for months and nobody believed me. But anyway. Why uh, do you need three people in the stable that can talk? <laughs> because it's a great stable that way. All right. So enough about the All-Atlantic Useless Championship. Let's talk about some other stuff. Let's talk about another Useless Championship, the AEW Heavyweight Championship, because I joke, I joke. Um we talked last week how CM Punk was going to have to give up the title. We talked about sort of the convoluted method of which they were going to crown a new champion. Some of that convolution has now cleared up a little bit because John Moxley did, in fact, on Dynamite face off with the winner of the Battle Royal. The winner of the Battle Royal, of course, being Kyle O'Reilly. Um, so John Moxley got in this match because he was the number one ranked contender in AEW. Okay, cool. I can get that. Kind of. Then we have the Battle Royal which doesn't feature a single other member of the top five ranked competitors in singles division in AEW. Right. Defend defend your boys there, Sal. Oh, it gets worse. Because... Now, I understand I understand that your, your hot new thing, Wardlow, can't be in the match because he's busy doing a 20-on-one match with security guards. Okay. Because, you know, only WWE does horky shit. Let's talk about that for let's talk about the war dog all right so so we're just skipping over the heavyweight championship well no 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 because we're going to tie it in because he was actually the number one uh singles wrestler on the rankings despite having not been under contract until he won a match this is true and so then after kyle o'reilly does a great job wins the battle royal they have a promo on dynamite for Wardlow, is it he has an in-ring interview with Shivani, and he says, "I don't give a shit about the interim champion. I'll wait for the real champion to come back." So before we even get to Mox and Kyle, Wardlow's already shitting on the whole interim champion idea, <laughs> yep, and saying, "I don't want to be a part of this because it's not the real champ." Which, by the way, he's right. Of course, he's right, but. That was said on your television program at the same time yeah. that you're trying to convince me that this is a big deal. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> they don't have writers, Sal. <laughs> they could use some. Um, for the record, Kyle and Mox was fine. I liked it. It was good. Yeah. Regal on commentary was fun. Um, but lo and behold, Tanahashi won his match at, at Dominion this past weekend. Shocker, since they had already advertised him for Forbidden Door. So now we have Tanahashi versus John Moxley. I which, wonder how that's going to go. Uh, 
let's see. We have a contracted AEW talent versus a non-contracted AEW, uh, a non-contracted talent fighting for the AEW Heavyweight Championship. I wonder who's going to win at Forbidden Door. That being said, there's also a scenario where the IWGP uh, Heavyweight Championship might be won by a guy who's not under New Japan contract. So, and by the way, didn't uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't uh, isn't John Moxley a tag team wrestler these days? Uh, he was for like. Seems a week. weird that he'd be at the top of the singles rankings, having not really wrestled a singles match in a very long time. Yeah, yeah that's true. A little odd. Almost like they just put the person there that they wanted to be in the match. Right, which is why I said in the beginning, just make it Moxley versus Tanahashi, and I would have understood that better. Oh! How yeah. does the former champion not even get a whiff of this? I was going to say, the former champion also shit on this tournament and said he wants nothing to do with it. He wants the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Oh, so he wants Okada, right? Yeah, which I was like, oh god, they're going to get Okada. Well, Okada lost the belt uh, at Dominion. I wonder why Okada lost the belt after being challenged on Dynamite. Sal, do you have any idea why that would be? I would assume that Okada didn't want to go to Forbidden Door. He didn't Weird. want to perform in Chicago. He didn't want to travel to the States. I don't know his reasoning. I'm sure he's, New Japan's paying him a lot of money. Now, that said, he did the original all-in pay-per-view. He did, yeah. Maybe he just didn't like working with that those guys. Maybe he wasn't a fan of the way that locker room was. Or well, Okada is also notoriously a very professional guy. Like he he he's a very sort of WWE ish in terms of like New Japan, where he wants to show up in a suit. He wants to be like very professional. That's the atmosphere New Japan sort of strives. And maybe I, I imagine that's a stark contrast to a guy like that to go to an AEW locker room and see people blowing lines and fucking Tony Storm, you know, drunk off her ass and passing out in the hallway and. You know, on top of Jeff Hardy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know specifically why Okada isn't coming to or doesn't want to to come to. I, but to you Okada. can't imagine that was the plan since they had already started promoting Okada versus Page versus uh, Cole. No, I can't imagine that was the plan. This 100 percent seems like a last minute decision because they weren't going to be able to get Okada. So all of a sudden, we have to put the belt on Jay White. To the point where it wouldn't surprise me if the belt goes right back to Okada soon after Forbidden Door's over. They wouldn't do something like that. It's not like they would do their IWGP United States Championship and have somebody win it just to lose it right back to an IWGP talent, right? Yeah. <laughs> Huh. New Japan Pro Wrestling, long, long storied history, isn't exactly without its own, you know, black eyes and dark secrets. Wait, black eyes? Uh, I said eyes. I said black oh. eyes. Oh, okay. Um, and that's another telling thing too. If this belt goes right back to Okada this summer, that tells you right there all you need to know. Um. Also, you got to wonder, uh, since it is Jay White, are they going to have Hangman win this match? I have no idea. But but how do you allow all of your talents to go on TV and shit on the title that you're about to try to 
sell a pay-per-view based on? I don't know. Because I was going to say, yeah, everybody, this whole week was um, CM Punk's our champ, but we're going to have an interim champ. He doesn't really matter, and everybody in the locker room is going to tell you that the interim champ doesn't really matter, and he's only there until Punk gets back. Which is probably why they're putting it on Moxley, because it's the biggest name they have that they can put the title on and make it feel somewhat important, knowing that it's not the real champ. Which is why it's stupid to have an interim champion. Just strip CM Punk of the title and put the real title on somebody. Well, I was going to say, you could do this whole storyline and... Still have Punk come back for the yeah. title he never lost. Exactly. You don't have to have an interim title. Exactly. Yeah. And you still can have Mox win it. And then Mox, you know, Punk comes back and he's like, Mox, you never beat me for that title. And then you still get your match anyway. Right. I 100% agree with you. There's no reason to uh, to do an interim championship. But even less of a reason, and I know you mentioned it previously, for all the shit we used to give WWE about Braun Strowman, right? And all the ways that they used to book him and the silliness that they used to put him through. Like throwing people in garbage trucks and stuff like that. We have actually booked a 20 versus 1 elimination match. Where 20 security guards will take on Wardlow. I don't know about you, but to me this feels like the dumbest idea in wrestling history. (laughs) I don't know about wrestling history. Judy Bagwell was still on a pole at one point. Um, But in all honesty, like, the issue is not even the match. Like, the match is stupid, hokey bullshit, but it's wrestling. So I expect occasionally stupid, hokey bullshit, even though AEW, I've been told, doesn't do that. Um, The problem is you take Wardlow from one of the hottest programs in the company, and this is how you follow it up. Right. How do you want to kill off a guy's momentum? This is how you do it. And to Wardlow's credit, you know, he made that that interview all about Punk and what he's going to do when Punk gets back. But at that point, we're talking about All In in September. Right. There's no reason. There's so many other things you could do with Wardlow this summer. You know? And and, uh, it seems like, well, we have no idea what to do. So here's 20 people. (laughs) It's just stupid, ridiculous, I, I just bullshit. I can't. When they said that on Dynamite, I instantly thought, what a fucking terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's move on past that. Let's move on to another interesting story, because for those of you who watched Dynamite last week, you might have noticed an impromptu random match for the AEW Women's Championship between Thunder Rosa and... And I guess number five ranked Marina Shafir. Not really sure how the fuck she got number five ranking. This is now she, the only time I remember seeing her have an important match on TV. It was with Jade, and she fucking lost. Um, but anyway, she got a match for the title. Um, match was a, as awful as you would expect it to be if you've watched any Marina Shafir matches ever. Um, but the story, the, the funny part about this is not... The match itself, it's not that it was bad, as you would expect it to be. Um, Now, before I get into this, Sal, do you remember, because I was watching this match the next day, and I'm posting in the host thread as I'm watching the show, and I get to this match, and do you remember what I said that night? I believe you said, it looks like Thunder is sandbagging her. Right. So imagine my surprise when I 
see a story breaking today that wrestling Twitter has started to come to that same conclusion. Uh, starting with somebody named somebody on Twitter. I'm not even going to name this person's name because it's nobody that I know. Uh, with a clip of the match saying, how is this Shafir's fault? That match was crap and the booking was weird. But if you rewatch it, it's mostly down to Rosa sandbagging Shafir seemingly for no reason. Uh, she does it all throughout the fight. This led to somebody named Eric in Sarasota, uh, whose tweet was liked by Marina Shafir and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, uh, when he wrote, it might just look like a bad match to the untrained eye, but it's pretty clear when somebody doesn't want to play ball, which sucks because it makes you and your opponent look bad. It's been a long time since I've seen a match where somebody so obviously tried to make themselves look better than their opponent by sandbagging and no-selling, but I just saw a perfect example of it on Dynamite. Um, so again, this was liked by both Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Marina Shafir, for whatever that's worth. <laughs> um, Lise, of course, never missing an opportunity to chime in with the it wasn't my fault, uh, said, I truly wholeheartedly appreciate all the recent Lise was right statements. Hits the soul in ways you could never imagine. And Thunder Rosa finally chiming in with, Good morning and blessings to all, even for those who do not have the best wishes for yours truly. All right, so a lot to unpack here, Sal. Uh, let's start with the fact that I saw this as it was happening, and I had the same reaction. That was my, my initial reaction to watching it before I saw anything on Twitter, before any of this stuff became a story over the last couple of days. Um did you feel that way watching it live, or did you not think of it until I said something? I didn't think of it, and, be, and the main reason I didn't think of it was because as I was watching it, I couldn't get over how bad it was. Now, to be fair, I didn't realize that one person was purposely doing stuff to make it look bad, but just Marina in general just looked awkward out there. Always does. She looked lost. Always does. And it's just... I kept watching it like, what is this shit? This is such garbage. I mean, this is just, they were falling all over each other. Yeah. They were. Uh... So to me, what stood out was it was a bad match. It was a sloppy match. Why is uh, Marina Shafir getting this title match on TV? Um, and then hearing, you know, the idea that, that Thunder was sandbagging her, I started thinking, oh, that probably made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> now, Here's an interesting spot, and perhaps this will stick out to you. Uh, at one point, Shafir goes for a cloverleaf and can't lean back on Rosa and ends up falling forward. Now, the reason that might that struck me as significant when I was watching this match is because it's almost the exact same thing that happened to Serena Deeb when trying to do a sharpshooter to Rosa at the pay-per-view. Yes. One must wonder if this is just constantly being botched by everybody or if Rosa is locking her legs and not allowing people to sit back. Yeah. Um, or actively trying to knock them forward to make them look bad. So, you you know, you've, you've watched this business from the inside out for many, many years. Um, and I would, you know, I, I've never been behind the curtain, so I wouldn't recognize things like that. But... I, I'm smart enough to know that for a move like a sharpshooter or a Boston Crab, you kind of need your opponent to participate yep. with you to, yep. to do it successfully. And, yeah, now that you bring up the comparison 
to the Serena Deep Sharpshooter, it definitely feels like someone didn't want to play that day. <laughs> feels like that happens a lot. Now, we also, let's let's go back in time a little bit to the match, the Steel Cage match where Thunder Rosa won the title. We all sort of shit over Britt Baker for the sequence that ended that match. Now you sort of wonder, especially given Britt Baker liking the tweet accusing Rosa of sandbagging, I sort of wonder if maybe Britt Baker wasn't the problem in that match. Maybe somebody else was going off script. Let me ask you this. Behind the scenes in a locker room, when someone does that, is it something that gets addressed, or is it something that people look the other way of? Like, oh, it's none of my business. I'll, you know, let the promoter deal with that or whatever. Oh, no, the talent will definitely deal with it in the back. It'll definitely come out. Um, it doesn't get swept under the carpet. It, they Talent goes at each other pretty good. Um, usually the talent that the company has the most invested in will win in that scenario. That's the other For thing. What? Thunder Rosa is the women's champion right now. So, I mean, she's kind of got the clout, right? I mean, listen, I, I wasn't in the match. I couldn't tell you. But now people are going to regular clips of Thunder Rosa and pointing out more of this sort of not selling, more of this sort of sandbagging a little bit, more of this sort of more worried about getting myself over kind of stuff. Um, from her AEW run. I, I don't know how much of it is real and how much of it is... Like I said, I noticeably got that impression during the match live before any of this became a thing on social media. So I tend to think that what I saw that now other people are agreeing with is, in fact, reality because I saw it with my own eyes. Um, do I think Ivelisse got, fell victim to that? I think Ivelisse has a history of bad behavior on her own, which sort of makes her uh, opinion and her version of the story suspect just by nature. Uh, it's a woman who's been pretty much fired from every company she's ever worked for for attitude issues, uh, for those of you who don't know. Um, great ass, though. Um, sure. But I got to tell you, I, I think at a certain point where there's enough smoke, you got to start thinking there's fire. You know what I mean? Well... The problem is with with the way wrestling. Or where there's enough lightning, you got to think there's some thunder. Right. So I did there. Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> the way social media is today, now you've brought this attention on yourself, just like way back in the day with Seth Rollins and the, and the Buckle Bomb. Right. Remember that? And all of a sudden, everybody was like, "Oh, he's dangerous." Now, that's a case where social media I was incorrect. Okay, so I, I actually there's a different Seth Rollins incident that I would actually argue with. When Seth Rollins originally won the title, uh, he was, and he won it from Brock at Mania, not the cash-in the second time he won it from Brock at Mania. Yeah. Uh, he was the hottest thing in WWE. Everybody loved Seth Rollins. He was the work-rate guy. He was going out there and having great matches and blah, blah, blah. Then he posted something on social media about how he was the best wrestler in the world. Yes. And everyone turned on him. To the point where they had to turn him heel because he was getting booed out of the arena because the internet wrestling fans got all up in arms because Kenny Omega was their boo-boo and 
you know Kenny Omega, blah, blah, blah. Well, well, had... uh, booking didn't help him in three straight pay-per-views with oh, Corbin sure. either. Sure. But that's not, but, but that wasn't the, the main driving force here. It was that he called himself the best wrestler in the world. And it was, you're not Okada, you're not Omega, you're not, you know, what, who, name your, name your guy. You're not O'Sullivan. Because, the guy, because the internet wrestling fans apparently get upset that a guy has great self confidence. But once the internet wrestling fans turn on you, it's tough, especially in a company at AEW that's designed to cater to that exact fan base. By the way, a formula that does not have long term success rate. Go ahead. Oh yeah, well, in in regards to that. Um, Thunder Rosa was an internet darling for the longest yeah. time. Yeah. Everybody wanted her to win the title. Everybody wanted to be, for her to be the one to beat Britt Baker. And now this comes out, and it's it's a black cloud that's going to follow her. And unfortunately, now people are going to start looking for this type of stuff during her matches. So she'll be Thunder Rosa Oscuro? <laughs> she'll be Thunder Rosa Target on her back. Which is a shame. I'm pretty sure she already is. In the court of public opinion, because they'll condemn you so fucking quick. (sighs) Well, then again, but see, when when you when you pointed out the Serena Deep thing, you know, it does make you think. I was kind of on the other side of it though, where I was like, well, if you force me to defend my title against Marina Shafir, I wouldn't exactly be happy about it either. <laughs> or if I was um, being forced to try to wrestle with somebody on TV that didn't know what they're doing. So that's the other side of it, right? Like, is there a performer's frustration with a talent who's not at that level, but the company thinks they're at that level, and it's up to you to make the match work? You're supposed to make your opponent look good at all times. Of course, that's the gig. So if you're going out of your way to intentionally... Now, that said, you don't know what happens in the body of the match or what happens backstage. From the whole Ivelisse thing, the story that came out was that Ivelisse was sort of refusing to do any of the spots Rosa wanted to do. In that scenario, if you're Rosa, you go out there and you say, well, I'm going to make you look like shit. Because you didn't want to work with me. Right. And maybe that's what happened here. I don't know. Or maybe she got frustrated at Shafir being so bad. But the fact that Shafir's bad and in a match with the heavyweight, with the women's champion, is not Shafir's fault. That's management's fault. That's management's fault for signing somebody who spent five years in WWE developmental and was never good enough to be a regular wrestler on TV. Right. That should tell you all you need to know. Yeah. Um, no, no, I'm not even saying I blame Shafir. Um, but I, I, I guess I can understand Thunder's frustration having to. But you know what's weird too? And again, this is a completely different generation. Now, nowadays, you see all these shoot interviews um, with wrestlers from the '80s, and, and who knows if the stuff is true or not. But they always say like, "Oh, this person pissed me off," and you know what? I had to go out there and I had to to make him look good and it made me sick to my stomach, but I did it anyway. There was always like a level of professionalism. Like, you know, I don't like you. I don't like what you said. I don't like what you did during my match, but when the camera's on, we have to, we have to be professional. Yep. Even from like some of the biggest piece of shits in the business. Like, 
for all accounts, we've all heard the stories about Shawn Michaels. And to many people's points, there have been times where Shawn maybe comically oversold a little bit because he didn't like the way the match was booked. Um, but I can think of so many more times where Shawn was a professional. He went out there, he had the match of the night. God knows what happened Matt, afterwards. You know Matt, I mean? Hardy, Matt Hardy went out there and had a feud in a program with the guy who stole his the love of his life. In real life. Yes. That's true. Uh, Kurt Angle went out and had a program with the guy who married his ex, his wife. Um, I mean, there's, there's a litany of those situations where personal matters between two guys who didn't like each other were professional in the ring with each other. Sure. Uh, was it Chris Benoit and Kevin Sullivan? Obviously, <laughs> you know. So, is, is there more? Do you see that more in this generation that they're they're more likely to do shit like sandbagging and no selling and stuff like that? No, I see less of it actually. Oh, okay. So there would have um, been more from like the older generation, which is why it stands out more when you see it in the ring, especially. Yeah. Um. It it definitely the older generation was much more. Because you had a lot more unwritten rules, and you had a lot more guys in the locker room and wrestlers' court and all that sort of old-school mentality uh, than you have now. Now most of the guys in the back are just boys, and they play video games together, and it's like, okay, I'll go out and do my spots, and you do yours, and we'll all look good and go home. You know? Right. It is weird, though, um, because if you're Thunder Rosa, you're, you know, you're still the AEW Women's Champion this morning. Yeah. But now, ne your next big program, do you go out of your way to make sure that you sell for that person? Or do you... I think she probably will, now that the attention's been drawn to it. Makes sense. There uh, are some other yeah. news stories. Yes, I was about to get to one, actually. All right. Um, for those of you who watched a uh, WWE NXT's In Your House event, you saw the D'Angelo family take on Legato Del Fantasma. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it because it's the last time you're going to see Troy Two Dimes Donovan. As WWE came to uh, release him this past week for what they simply referred to as a policy issue. Uh, no further information as to what that issue was. Of course, people immediately jumped to uh, wellness policy. Um, but wellness policy issues are usually a suspension, not an immediate release. So who knows? Uh, Troy Donovan did take to his own Twitter account to say thank you to everyone who's reached out. Mistakes happen. Lessons are learned. A bump in the road doesn't define me, though. I'll be back. So not sure what it is. Uh, it does suck. It looks like Legato and uh, the the crime syndicate of the D'Angelo family uh, were having a really good program. I don't know if this how this is going to play into it, how it's going to derail it. I don't know. We'll see. I haven't watched this week's NXT yet, but... Uh, sucks for a young guy when something like that happens that early in his career. Yeah, um, you had to think of the fact that he was on TV, the fact that he was in a program and in a storyline, and for them to turn around and do this, it was something that they, I don't want to say have a zero tol tolerance policy on, because you don't know if this was an issue beforehand, but uh, yeah, WWE was very quick and swift with this, so it was something that they felt they had to do. Um, then Nash carted him. Which makes you wonder exactly what it is that Troy Donovan did. Right. Um, on the other side of that, I also heard a report coming out of the house show, because NXT is back on the road, 
that Tony D'Angelo suffered a non-disclosed shoulder injury at a recent house show. Um, Spectators were uh, reported that it was bad and he couldn't lift his arm. Who knows if he was selling? Who knows the severity of it? I don't know if he was on TV this week. Um, I haven't watched it yet. But... Yeah, tough break because it seems like they were they were about ready to run NXT. Yeah, yeah, unfortunate, and we'll see. Hopefully, they build something positive out of it. Uh, speaking of building things, people are trying to build a program their programs for the Forbidden Door event we talked about earlier, including one Zack Saber Jr. who is apparently challenging Brian Danielson for Forbidden Door. So I got to ask you, Sal. Is Zack Sabre Jr. versus Brian Danielson a match you would be interested in seeing? No. Okay. Unless Danielson kicks his fucking head in. <laughs> Not a Zack Sabre Jr. fan, huh? Listen, that's all I kept hearing about was this guy. Oh, Zack Sabre Jr. He's the, one of the greatest in the world. Da, 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 da. And then he showed up in that um, that Cruiserweight Classic. And I was like, whoa, what's so great about this guy? Now, another guy I had heard in the same fashion was Will Ospreay. And every time I saw him, uh, he always looked fantastic and dynamic and captivating. And Zack Sabre Jr. is none of those things. Zack Sabre Jr.'s style is very boring if you're not into the really into technical wrestling. Um, it's also not good if you're into, you know, selling the offense of your opponent because he doesn't do that at all. Now, if he doesn't do that for Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson, as you said, odds are he will kick his fucking head in. So that might be worth seeing for the price. That might be worth the price of admission in and of itself. Sure. Um, you know what, though? You know who you, who was a great technical wrestler? Uh, Dean Malenko. One of the best, right? Yeah. But I was never bored watching a Dean Malenko match. I don't know if it's Zack Sabre Jr.'s uh, like um, appearance. Uh, it's just, I can't. I can't. Yeah, not a fan myself. So uh, uh, another great technical wrestler, um, Pete Dunne. He's amazing to watch in that ring. Yeah. And it, so it. I don't know what it is about Zack Sabre Jr. Maybe it's his face, but I just don't care for him at all. Um. You know, Zack Sabre Jr. originally was brought in on a tryout with a fellow countrywoman. Her name was Paige. Huh. And Paige, apparently, her contract is up in July, and she will no longer be with the WWE. Right now, there's a bunch of people going, she was still with the WWE? Yeah. Well, I mean, she was on a Legends deal. You know what that was. does mean, though, Sal? Mm-hmm. We'll get to see her titties on OnlyFans soon. Possibly, but when you've when you've followed Paige's career, do you really need to see her titties on OnlyFans? We haven't seen her new titties yet that I know of. Mm, not completely. I'll give you that. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see because her comments were very interesting. Um, it was more of a situation of. They just don't have anything for her, so why are they going to keep paying her? And she said... She can't wrestle. She wants to manage, but she won't get clearance to be at ringside, as we know that they don't like injured talent at ringside where something could go wrong. Sure. So they're not going to put her out there, Uh, which is sort of part of the reason they got away from managers, because typically managers are old, injured, 
wrestlers uh, for the most part. And uh, they just don't want those kind of guys around ringside, except MVP, who's still an active competitor, so he can sort of get away with it. But they don't use a ton of managers in WWE. No, no, they don't. Um, Haven't for a while. Yeah. Paige mentioned something in her statement about, no, she's not cleared, but she's looking forward to the next chapter. She's going to get back in that ring, isn't she? 100%. AEW. You think it's probably doing the ladder match? She could go to Impact. Those titties make an impact, I'll tell you that much. I I personally wish Paige uh, the best of luck in her future endeavors. I was always a huge fan of her, even before the tape, because she was different. She was the anti-diva. She was... um, she was good in the ring. She had an attitude about her. She had a, the way she carried herself was different. Mm-hmm. Uh, she didn't have a problem speaking and feeling real when she talked on the mic. Um, she definitely was a big part of setting forward. And I know the Bellas will tell you they were the driving force behind the women's revolution. But I really feel like Paige coming up from NXT was when women's wrestling started to get more attention in WWE. 100% agree. Paige was the catalyst. There was a buzz. Nobody had beaten AJ Lee at that point. And and I, I think, yeah, that, that was the catalyst for the women's revolution. It was Paige coming up the night after Mania and beating, and beating AJ for the title. And then that transitioned into to Becky and to Charlotte and to Sasha. And um, a submission sorority? Yeah. Now, it's a shame because I thought Paige especially where she was signed so young, I thought she was going to be top of the card for a decade. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And she got hurt, and it sucks, because after she got hurt, career was never really the same. Nope. That being said, she's still young. She's, if she wants, she could be in this business. I hope she's safe about it. Mm-hmm. I hope she doesn't end up paralyzed, but um, I think she's a great presence even on air. So if you wanted to have her as a manager... The, that's not a problem for me. I'd love to see Paige on my TV. She'd be a great presence on OnlyFans. <laughs> Let's be honest. She'd make a fucking fortune. A hundred percent. But one hundred percent at this point. I mean, I don't know what her financials are. I don't think she's struggling. She does pretty I mean, good on Twitch too. Anyway, she shows a lot of titties. Uh, anyway, the last thing I have is uh, encouraging news. Uh, Biggie on Twitter showed a video of himself throwing his neck brace in the trash, fueling speculation that you know he's ever closer to an in-ring return. Um, by the way, you mentioned Pete Dunn earlier. I think you meant Butch. Um, yes, of course. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so are you excited for Biggie to to perhaps start getting ready for his in-ring return? I'm always excited for Biggie. He's got such charisma and personality. Even I know you're that. always excited for the big D. Oh, oh. Um, he's got such charisma and personality. I, I, I. Every time he posts something on Twitter, I have. I'll stop what I'm doing to watch what he, what he posts. Um, and I look forward to when he comes back. I don't know what he does when he comes back, as far as like the storylines go, but I'm sure they'll have a plan for him. Strong agree. 
Uh, anything else that you have, Sal? Uh, let's see here. Little, uh, a little uh, shout-out to the new Intercontinental Champion, Gunther. That's amazing, right? I feel yeah. like that belt is actually like meaningful now. Yeah. No shot at Ricochet. No. But Ricochet didn't feel like the presence of a champion. No. Gunther feels like there's going to be... But, but they made him change his name, Sal. And look how quickly nobody gives a fuck. Right. <laughs> and Walter was never going to be a good main roster name. Let's no. be honest. No. Gunther and his uh, associate Ludwig... Von Kaiser. Von Kaiser. I love it. Love the presentation. Um, it feels it feels like a big deal, and it's gonna feel like a big deal if somebody can actually beat Gunther for that title when that yeah. time comes. Yeah. But I think you do a good job with him. Maybe Riddle. Maybe. Um, there's not really a brand split these days, is there? Not really. It's just <sighs> with the news of Stephanie McMahon taking a hiatus from from most of her company uh, assignments or, or whatever, right? And them unifying the titles. Do you think there's any truth to the rumors that they are selling this company? I've thought there's some smoke where that there was some fire where that smoke was for a while. It wouldn't shock me, but it would also shock me. <laughs> like... Uh... You know, the, the moves they make, world that, 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 shortening up the roster, limiting costs and expenses, uh, you know, taking the family members of the McMahons off the books, uh, you know, everything seems to be lining up that way, but we'll see. Um, for bit, like, business-wise, it wouldn't shock me, but to think about a world where the McMahons do not own or operate the WWE is jarring to me. <laughs> Absolutely fucking jarring. Uh, Jason, I do have one last question for you, kind of an opinion sure. thing. Hate to put you on the spot, but sure. uh, if you had to, for your money, pick one tag team in the history of you watching wrestling, who is your favorite? Not who is the best, but who is your favorite tag team of all time? <sighs> Jesus. Um, I like different ones for different reasons, so it's hard to pick sort of just one. Um, if I had to pick just one, the team that I remember most growing up really being into it was probably the rockers which okay. i mean doesn't come as a surprise to anybody who listens to the show i've talked about what a Shawn michaels mark i am for years um but they were one of the first tag team i watched that was like oh they're doing some really cool shit like um so they were uh, demolition was another one that jumped out at me when i was a kid i remember that sort of stuck with me demolition bothered me in the sense that Everybody who was older than me told me that they were Road Warrior ripoffs. Yeah. So I never really like got into them, but I definitely love the Rockers and Steiner uh, Brothers, another one. Okay, so for me, that's the team that jumped off the page for me was the Steiners. Yeah. I ain't never seen nothing like it. The suplexes, the 
yeah. stiff offense. Like it, I always thought they were one of the best tag teams I've ever saw. Uh, there's the Midnight Express was another one. Yeah, see, I never got to watch them really. Like other than when they were like you know older, kind of like when the Rock and Roll Express came into the WWF in 1995. Um, I will also say that I used to love uh, the world's greatest tag team, yeah. Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas. Yeah. And I was a Dudley's fan, but for all the wrong reasons. <sighs> Just for the harsh, obscene shit they would say in their yeah. promos. Fair. Eliminators, too. I was always a big fan of the Eliminators. Yes. Yep. So Saturn and Cronus. Yeah. Cronus gone way too early. Yes. Uh, and, of course, a lot of my choices would be sort of local guys. So I'm you know, I'm partial, some of them being my friends. So... Um, but yeah, I mean, you'd also be hard pressed to say any tag team in modern history has had more success than the New Day too. Love the New Day. That whole, just everything in their run, I thought was really good, yep. really entertaining, and the work in the ring always lived up to it. Yep. Um, currently, if you if gun to my head, you asked me to pick who the best tag team in the world right now is, it's the Usos, it's and the it's Usos. not close. It's not close. It's not. And I'm actually trying to think, like, when was the last time there was somebody this good and this dominant as a tag team? And it, it's taken me a while to go back, because I can't... The Motor City Machine Guns were one for me. I used Beer to love them. Beer Money was good. Um, Beer Money, to me, was two singles guys, though. That was the problem. It was James I mean, Storm with, with, you know, Robert Rude. So... I mean, James Storm was always a tag team guy, though. First it was Wildcat, Chris Harris, America's Most Wanted. Wanted yeah. Of course, I mean, the if you want to go a little bit deeper, uh, I, I can tell you how I don't like them personally, but uh, the Briscoes were pretty dominant for a good stretch of time as Ring of Honor tag team champions. And hey, I mean, if I'm being honest, when I, when I was younger, the Hardys were it for me. They were yep. the team. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Um, I was also a fan of Edge and Christian, but anytime those those matches happen, I always wanted to see the Hardys win because they were they were dynamic, they were great. Fuck, I still remember the night Jeff almost won the undisputed title from the Undertaker. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, the Steiners jumped off the page for me. Um. <laughs> Probably for all the wrong reasons. Probably because they were stiffing guys left and right, and I thought it looked good. But <laughs> now, what about uh, Todd Champion and Firebreaker Chip in WCW? Uh, no, nope. Okay, no, no, no. Uh, but no, actually, that's that's another great one. Uh, the Hollywood Blondes were uh, not a team for as long as they probably should have been, but certainly one of the more influential teams of that generation. Speaking of inf- influential, Harlem Heat. Very Love good. Watching yep. Harlem Heat. That's another great one. Um, and they kind of surprised me because when I first was introduced to Harlem Heat, I just thought they were just two big dudes. And then yeah. when they got in the ring, they could go. I was never a fan of the Nasty Boys. Just never really uh, did it for me. Yeah. Also, I'll give credit where credit is due. The Outlaws made an impact in... In impact, but no, they made they made their mark on the on the tag team 
world when they were on top. When they first were coming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They didn't really they last. They were certainly probably the biggest merch mover of that generation. Oh, sure. Uh, but how yeah. much of that was them? How much was that? You stick anything DX on it at that point, you were going to make a lot of money. Exactly. Yeah. Of course, you also had Scott Hall and Kevin Nash were a big tag team in WCW for a long time. Yeah, I never really thought of it other than their NWO. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, they were a tag That That oh, was yeah. their primary role. When Hogan was on top as the top singles guy, they were the top tag team for a long time. For NWO tag teams, I actually preferred Vicious and Delicious. <laughs> I thought the gimmick was funny. Uh, I'm trying to think. Like, there's there's a whole gap in between like 2005 and 2015. Why why can't we think of any tag teams from that era? From when? 2005 to 2015. I'm I, You know me. I'm not good with dates. I don't. Well, let remember. me put it this way. Prior to the new day, and after um, some of our old favorites finally started retiring, I can't really think of anybody in like a tag team that was like. Again, the Modus and Machine Guns and TNA, but like as far as the WWE goes, well, WWE for a long time devalued tag team wrestling in oh, general. Yeah. So That's true. they put singles guys together and they made it work. Right. Although I, I was always a fan of the Bar. <laughs> yeah, the fabulous Freebirds. I would have loved to have been like fourteen and eighty-one and been able to see the Von Erichs and the Freebirds. Yeah, I see. I, when I grew up, it was it was by that point when I started getting into it. It was Michael P. S. Hayes and Jimmy Gar- Jimmy Jam Garvin. Uh, uh, so, but I remember enjoying watching their programs uh, with like Doom and the Horsemen and um, the Rock and Roll Express. So, actually, that's another one: the Brainbusters. Uh, yep. and Tully, yep. really fucking good. Um. I, and I was a fan of the Heart Foundation mostly, yeah, but mostly because of Brett. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not because of Anvil. I got the Powers of Pain. I miss the Powers of Pain. <laughs> Twin Towers, the Orient Express. There's a lot of bad tag teams in WWE. Too. <laughs> There's a lot of bad. You remember at one point they tried to make um, Randy Savage an Ultimate Warrior tag team? Yeah. Uh, I think they were like the Ultimate Madness or something stupidly. Yeah. Until Warrior got himself fired, and then Randy had to go and get Mr. Perfect to be his tag team partner. That's right, because that made sense. Anyway, enough of that. Next week, we'll do Best Intercontinental Champions. (laughs) Okay, Shawn Michaels, done. Fair enough. All right, I think that will do it for tonight. I think we've covered enough stuff, yes. Uh, we're, we're, since our... we've gone to this like two man format, we're agreeing way too much, Sal. We got to start arguing with each other more. I think that's not true. We argued a little bit already. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we will be back hopefully next week. Maybe some other people will join us. Who knows? We'll stay tuned and find out. But uh, hopefully, we'll have better content in the world of wrestling to discuss. But. Somehow I doubt it. Well, well. That being said, look what we got coming up. We got, we got AEW's Road Rager, where we'll have another match of Will Ospreay this time against Dax. Um, you know, I've never seen a team that calls themselves the best tag team in the world, but always wants to wrestle singles matches. I know. It's very weird. 
but we will also have the results of Riddle versus the Tribal Chief. So we will also we... know if Wardlow beat 20 security guards. I'm so. sure he will. <laughs> it's 20 on one, Sal. Uh, but, but it's an elimination. Fair. Oh, that's going to take up like an hour of dynamite. Oh, no, no, probably. no. It's Wardlow. It's probably going to take 20 minutes. <laughs> Five minutes. So we will talk about uh, hopefully some good stuff that happens on TV. Hopefully. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Uh, but until then, thank you, Sal, for joining me this week. Thank you for having me. And I guess we will run your ass down next time. Bye bye. Listening to a Rundown Wrestling Network production. Please visit rundownwrestling.com for all of our shows as well as our other special events. Keep it locked there or subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Network on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher Premium, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Leave us a voice message that we will play on an episode by going to anchor.fm slash rundown wrestling slash message. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. You can show us how much you love us by buying us a cup of coffee for just one buck at ko-fi.com slash rundownwrestling. Go to reddit.com slash r slash rundownwrestling. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Network. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show your dick pics and twat shots via rundownwrestling at gmail.com or go to Instagram or YouTube and look for Rundown Wrestling. Follow us on Twitch by going to twitch.tv slash rundownwrestling, and you can also follow our host Adam on twitch.tv slash the saleser effect. This has been a Rundown Wrestling Network production. <laughs>